Uh, this is Lindsey Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast on Friday, March the 29th. On this week's episode, jam-packed one, we're going to talk about federal judge striking down Arkansas's First the Nation Medicaid work reporting requirement, the latest from the legislature, hiring of a new Little Rock police chief, Little Rock Mayor Frank Scott's State of the City address, the firing of Mike Anderson, and more. Huh. We have to go rapid fire to get okay. It all in. That's fine. I think we just let Ernie Dumas's headline cover the legislature. Worst ever. So, uh, biggest news of the week: a federal judge in Washington struck down Arkansas's work rule to qualify for expanded Medicaid coverage. Yeah, and I guess it is big news uh, because they pretty well passed the continuation of the Medicaid expansion on the the backs of promising that we'd make these worthless no-counts go to work or lose their Medicaid coverage. and now, But the judge has taken it away, said you can't do that, said this isn't an employment program, it's a health program. And was not too surprising because he'd done the same thing on nearly identical facts in an earlier Kentucky case and did it again to Kentucky this week. Uh, I, I don't think anybody should have been surprised. The The question now is what? And Today in the legislature, uh, the House declined to approve the uh, Medicaid budget, which the Senate had approved. They fell about 23 votes short. But as a realistic matter, I I don't know what they can do. Uh, I think Arkansas Works lives, that is, the Medicaid expansion lives. It needs to live with or without the work rule simply because so much of the state budget depends on it, not to mention 300,000 or so people who receive Medicaid. I mean, there's no easy way out of this. And Asa Hutchinson, to his credit, kind of said, I knew they'd ask some questions. We'll have another vote next week, and I expect it to pass. And and, and eventually I I think that's probably true. The alternative is unthinkable. Uh, we go back to our old Medicaid program uh, with higher cost to the state for less services. Uh, we lose all the revenue that it's brought in for us. We'd have to give up the tax cuts they just passed out. Uh, I just, I just think inevitably this will happen. But one question is: is will the federal government actually appeal uh, the ruling? They did in the first Kentucky ruling. They haven't filed a notice of appeal yet. The governor said in a news conference yesterday he felt like they would appeal, hoped they would do it expeditiously. But I, I don't know what the odds are of uh, getting this decision overturned. Yeah, well, uh, there's uh, other healthcare no- news and an important shift. Uh, the president of uh, the Trump administration now says that. Uh, it's asking the Fifth Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals to strike down the entire entire uh, Affordable Care Act and, this, <laughs> right. and aligning and, with Leslie Rutledge. Yeah, the, he's picked up the argument that Leslie Rutledge and other Republican attorneys general had made that that we ought to, and, and that a federal judge in Texas, who's a notorious right winger, had adopted, which was is that the whole uh, Affordable Care Act is unconstitutional and ought to go. And you know if. And I guess Trump has wanted to kill this all along, and he was persuaded, apparently, by some of his advisors that there's a chance in court to do it. So he's going to try. You know, you, but for the human cost, you almost wish they would succeed. But for the human cost, you almost wish the country could see how terrible a shape we'd be in if pre-existing coverage was no longer covered, if family members were no longer covered, if preventive health care was no longer covered, 
if the subsidies no longer existed for, for working people with low income, if the Medicaid expansion was over, it would be devastating, first of all, to sick people and poor people, but second of all, to an entire industry that depends on this money. And, and then people might look at the debacle in which we would find ourselves and say, you know, maybe this guy, Trump, really is nuts. Yeah. Okay, uh, moving on to the legislature. Uh, as tempting as it is to let Ernie speak uh, for everything, there's a, there's a few items we probably should, should cover. Um, so we didn't record last week because it was spring break, and I was off spring breaking. Um, on the, Just after the legislature adjourned for spring break um, came word that uh, the governor was, was going to push a, a voucher bill specifically for Pulaski County. Yeah, it was one of those late-night document dumps. Surprise, uh, the governor has a plan to, to start a school voucher program in Pulaski County and uh, only in Pulaski County and, and to go to schools in Pulaski County. Three million a year might pay for 500, 400 to 500 students to go to private schools. He says, you know, he seems to be saying the schools here are such a failure under state control that anything could be better, even a unaccountable private school that doesn't meet any standards. Oh, they'd be accredited by a private school organization, which means nothing. They wouldn't have to follow any of the, the state rules on certified teachers or curriculum or anything else. Uh, he's Hutchinson used to be an opponent of school vouchers, but that was before the Waltons took over the, the school agenda in Arkansas, and now he's on board. You know, I think, first of all, there there's a question about whether this is unconstitutional local legislation. I think there are other constitutional questions because some of this money would find its way to schools that discriminate the, in a variety of ways. I don't think there's any protection for gay kids, for one thing. I think some schools aren't equipped to take disabled kids. And the, in, in, in the federal law says you can't discriminate on the grounds of disability. I think there's some schools wouldn't want to take a kid that speaks uh, Spanish as a native language, which the public schools must do. This is a terrible thing. It's a terrible idea. It's in the Senate Education Committee and apparently doesn't have the votes to get out of there. They tried to pull a, an end around and jerk it from that committee, which hurt some feelings in the Senate and it didn't happen. Well, so meanwhile, there's another voucher bill that got put in the Revenue and Taxation Committee, a statewide voucher program. So they voted it out of that committee and out of the Senate this week and now goes to the House. It's an even sloppier bill. It's so badly written, I think it's possible even that rich kids could apply for the vouchers. I don't know where this is headed. The The, the school administrators are pretty strong in the House because... The school districts are very important in each of the house districts, and they oppose voucher legislation because the problem is, is this is this is the nose in the tent. They start with a voucher bill of a certain size, and it, it will only get bigger. It will only grow. Yeah, this bill is very similar to one that failed after repeated attempts last year. Right, and it's three million. It's three million worth. The governor has three and a half million. They're proposing to expand an existing voucher program supposedly for disabled students, although some of them are not that disabled, to $3 million. And so you're talking about $10 million, I don't know, uh, what is that, 1,500 kids worth of private school tuitions. 
that's a that's a big lick, and it comes out of general revenue, which ultimately half of general revenue goes to the schools. So it's not good for public schools, and there's no there's been no showing anywhere that the that the results from such voucher programs are good academically, but it's the flavor of the day, particularly in a Republican legislature. The sponsor of uh, the bills is same. It's Senator Blake Johnson, and he said that uh, he's. He's only going to run one of them, right? So that's what he said, and we'll you know, I just don't think we've seen the end of the plan around. There's going to be a scheduled day next week where the Senate is going to take up motions to extract bills from committee. That takes a two-thirds vote, and there are a lot of senators, even who might be amenable to certain bills, who like to protect the committee system because if you can override the committee system on one bill, you can do it on another, and so whether there'll be some further effort made on this i just don't know it's i mean it it ain't over till it's over Uh, one important thing happened this week i want to say and we may be talking about the mayor's state of the city speech but he did finally come out and say he opposed the voucher bill and that was good and if he supported it it would have been devastating to have the black mayor of the city of little rock support it and uh so that didn't happen. He does have some proposals on education in the city that are. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Remain let's, to be seen. Let, let's stick on the legislature. Uh, so one sort of one rare piece of good news after extended debate before House committee uh, sponsor Mary Bentley pulled down her controversial bill to transfer regulation of liquid animal waste from the Department of Environmental Quality to the Arkansas Natural Resources Commission. It, it was a victory for the environment. It was a bad bill. It was poorly written. It would have just really gutted clean water regulation, at least as far as animal farms were concerned. And and I would like to say that this was a victory for for the good and for the right. But, you know, when you look closely at what happened, Really, it was a familiar story of, of powerful special interest having tremendous influence at the legislature, and I'll explain what I mean. And I, I don't, I don't begrudge it whatsoever. But there was a, a very carefully orchestrated and intense campaign to beat this bill after it came out of the Senate in the House. Uh, one of the leading lobbyists was Bill Stovall, a House speaker who's now in the private lobbying world, went through that revolving door. And uh, he put together, he really put the hot box on the House committee. And he orchestrated the lineup of speakers that appeared to testify against this bill. And, and they'd also been spreading this message in the hallways and the legislators leading up to this. And I'm told he had 11 votes in his pocket before the committee meeting began to defeat this bill. But the speakers included Paul Means, who's a lobbyist for Energy, the state's biggest utility company, and a great guy, by the way, and has environmental and wildlife credentials, but pointed out the fact that this bill also affected some 2,000 wastewater discharge permit holders who are not farmers, and there are only about 200 farmers are affected. They had incredibly detailed and powerful testimony from a woman named Colleen Gaston, who works for the Beaver Water Lake District, the Beaver Lake Water District, which is the biggest supplier of water in northwest Arkansas, and it's worried about opening up that watershed to hundreds of hog farms that could pollute, and they already have pollution problems in that part of the state. Uh, there was uh, also great testimony from Tad Bohannon, 
who's the director of Central Arkansas Water, a former Friday firm lawyer who knows who knows water law and, and environmental law inside and out, and really gave a law school-worthy lecture on how badly drafted this bill. It has circular language that makes no sense. He was persuasive. They had other people lined up to speak before, including Randy Wilburn, who drafted the key regulation that now guides the Department of Environmental Quality back when he was on the Pollution Control Commission to explain the long process that had produced this regulation that would satisfy the EPA that we're doing the right thing. And so with all of this, they beat them. They just beat them. But, I mean, it wasn't just some scrappy environmentalist in there standing up for clean water. It was kind of... It was homework, it was organization, it was lobbying, it was people who get paid a lot to work for big interests who delivered. Though some of those are public interests. and oh, Yeah, no, no, I, I'm, I'm, not, I, I'm not begrudging this at all, sure. but I think to understand how it happened, this wasn't just a scrappy grassroots citizens movement. It was, although there was a lot of that from the Buffalo River Watershed Alliance and people like that and I take nothing from the Ozark Society who was in this and the Nature Conservancy and the Sierra Club. And, I mean, it was a full-court press, but that's how powerful the Farm Bureau is that it took all that to beat them. Yeah. Uh, House Committee today. By, by the way, let me throw in on this that there's a rumor going around that somebody in the Farm Bureau said, you know, we really effed up by trying to protect the C&H hog farm. And I think that was an interesting issue because I think the Farm Bureau's view was if we can if we can keep a hog factory hog farm operating in the Buffalo watershed, we're golden anywhere in the state. I mean, who's going to care if we open 500 hog farms in Chico County? But the flip side of that was is the Buffalo River became the rallying cry mm-hmm. against this bill. And the Buffalo River is enormously popular, has a lot of Republican support. It brought the governor on their side had they had had it not been for the hog farm in the buffalo river watershed this bill might have passed no uh the house committee has endorsed a proposed constitutional amendment shortening existing term limits this is uh what's called covering your rear uh arkansas term limits had a, a tough term limits qualify for the ballot in terms of number of signatures in 2018 got thrown off the ballot by the Supreme Court and is ready to try and get the amendment passed again it would limit service to 10 years Uh, we passed our current term limits through a dishonest amendment that was called term limits back in 2014 and extended service in a single house from a minimum of 16 years as high as 22 in the Senate so Alan Clark and other legislators decided you know we need to put a term limits thing on the ballot that that will be an alternative to the tough term limits amendment. And they came up with this, and it, it sets a 12-year limit, but it grandfathers in the current members of the legislature can serve 16 years just like before. And also his term limits amendment is, is, is really an unlimited term limits amendment because after you sit out four years, you can come back and run again. And Alan Clark says, oh, not to worry, that won't happen very often. Yeah, If it happens once, it's too often. All right, let's move on. Uh, Mayor Frank Scott delivered his first State of the City address this week. He said that the city uh, would put out a proposal for body cameras soon, said the city attorney was drafting an ordinance to change the LRPD's controversial no-knock warrant policy. 
He said, as Max mentioned earlier, that he opposed the Pulaski County voucher bill. He also said he wanted one school district south of the river and wanted to explore putting it under city control. Well, yeah, let me break this down two ways. Number one, a really big move forward on his promises on the police department. And he also has a citizen review board ordinance drafted, which I've shown at least an early look at it uh, earlier this week on the Arkansas block. Uh, He talked about bringing together the black police officers and the fraternal order of police and has had a meeting and that's good. But, but there's going to be more oversight of the police department. He's got his own police chief who says he feels as mayor does about some of these issues. Yeah, we should, we should briefly interject since we didn't do the podcast last week that he selected Keith Humphrey of Norman, Oklahoma to be his new chief. As as you predicted. Yeah, I predicted it. And he's an African American and he's an outsider. And I thought those, both argued in favor of his selection. He, I found him very impressive. I think he's great. He's, he uh, sounds great. You know. He's for police review board. Uh, he apparently wants it to have some investigative authority as well as just an oversight. Uh, he's for the body cameras. He's, I mean, he, he sounds good. So, I mean, it's early, but sure. but he start he starts well, and so those are good things. Uh, then there's the schools, and 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 I don't want to fall short of praising the mayor for opposing the voucher program, said better to spend that money on things we need like more pre-K education. His talk of wanting to do things differently, saying the way we've done them in the past wasn't working and we need to have big change, that could just be boilerplate words or it could it could mean a lot and we just don't know and we won't know until more time passes. We do know one of the most highly paid lobbyists in the Walton School Choice uh, forces is Laurie Lee, and she said kind things about the mayor's openness to choice on Twitter last week, which I had taken as potentially a, a hint on what he'd do on vouchers. It was not, but... Though, I mean, it could be just her politics. It could be her politicking, but he has previously endorsed charter schools in some circumstances. He talked about having a combined school district south of the Arkansas River. Here, here's the reality, and he talked about, more significantly, uh, having the city take control of the schools. We live in a state where a city government doesn't control the schools. In some states, they do. So uh, Though that was a little vague, and I think it could mean a lot of different things. It could well, mean it could, having, but I mean, having a seat, uh, having a city-appointed seat on the school board, it could mean... Well, that's a, that's a big deal. And having a chief education officer of the city, that would be better than what we've had, which is we, we've just defaulted on schools as city government. But all of these things, they require statutory changes. They might require constitutional changes. They would have to undergo constitutional review as to equity. Uh, We still have a pending desegregation case in Pulaski County that stands in the way of alteration of school boundaries in the short run. Uh, There there are cultural, geographic, and long-standing historic reasons why merging the Little Rock District with the county district south of the river wouldn't wouldn't be easy. I mean, <laughs> the pa- pa- it's been an idea for decades. It's been kicked around for years and has enjoyed a lot of support from a lot of different people, but but has all but has come to naught. I mean, that's my only point. I think I think his ability to somehow be singularly 
different on the issue and make it more possible than it has been with a lot of other backing in the for- I mean that's well that's that's ambitious. I yeah. mean that's 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 all and, and, and nothing wrong with ambition but I mean the, the the fact is is there are so many things that would be necessary to happen here not going to happen quickly. Sure. But I I am nervous because he he has talked at times in past. He went to Memphis State, has talked favorably about some things that Memphis government does. Memphis took over the schools there and charterized the entire school district. And, and you know, if, if somebody says what we've done in the past, that is a democratically controlled school district hadn't worked and we need to do something different, well, one alternative clearly would be to do the New Orleans model or the Memphis model. And, and so sure. Though, I, he, and he didn't say any of those things. And he but, consistently has said that we need to return to local control. Though he said this yes, time we need and, more than that. Yes, but – in theory, both New Orleans and Memphis have locally controlled schools, but they happen to be all charters. Yeah. So, so I mean, I, I, I'm not I, – I'm trying not, real hard not to borrow trouble, but, but I, I don't think it is unfair to say there are a lot of ways this new way of doing things could go. And, and it didn't seem to me that what he was talking about, particularly in talking – and he said specifically working with a charter school to achieve this new paradigm, that it means a return to a – conventional Little Rock School District. I think that he left it purposely vague to be hopeful and, uh, you know. Well, here's what we know. The charter schools haven't done a goddamn thing to work with the Little Rock School District to date. And to think that they're going to change that, there's no no reason for them to change that. Yeah. Well, I think that he mentions charter schools to be just politically – you know, big yeah, and, and 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 I know it was all about unity and all about unifying, and that's real easy to say. But I mean, some of these issues, I mean, they're just not going to be a, a joining hands moment on some of these. They're just, they just won't be. Well, as you say, it, the the previous administration was completely absent. On it school was issues. it was absent without leave, and, and he is not, and that is a good thing. And the very specific thing he said yesterday on the issue of immediate concern, he said the right thing. And the board had had been largely silent. It was good to see uh, the majority of the board, including some some you know establishment seeming uh, right members. seven seven to ten board members signed a letter. Uh, Oppose, opposing the voucher plan, uh, the 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 non-signers, and the mayor didn't sign, but apparently because he planned, he didn't want to steal a march on his state of the city speech. Those who didn't sign were Lance Hines, who's a Republican and long been a critic of Little Rock School District, and by the way, doesn't live in the Little Rock School District. The city of Little Rock includes both the Little Rock District and a part of the Pulaski District. Also, Joan Adcock, who's been anti Little Rock School District for years for a variety of reasons, dating back to her unhappiness from the school desegregation days at Central High School, which she attended. And then Irma Irma Hendricks, who knows? Irma's Irma charts her own past. She is a Republican too, by the way, for what it's worth, but I, who knows with Irma. Uh one of the one of the things that Scott said, uh he proposed um doing uh, requiring that city board members uh receive at least forty percent of of the vote. Right. He made a reference to a change, a movement from at large. You know, at one time he sounded pretty in the campaign, pretty clearly in support of a strict mayor council ward election of, of, of directors. 
and he's kind of it seems to me he's modulated that a little bit I mean like yesterday it sounded like moving in that direction well I don't know I don't know what that means yeah the currently you know you can get elected with if there are 50 candidates with 3% of the vote. Well, like, what what did Irma Hendricks get this last time? Well, she ended up getting it. There were, like, seven candidates for her seat, but I think she ended up getting – she may have gotten 40%. Oh, really? Yeah, she, I mean, she, she, she had such good. name recognition. There was some thought that she would have a low percentage, but I think she ended up just killing the field again, 88-year-old wonder. Okay, well, uh, two quick things. The Arkansas Department of Transportation uh, – put up notice that the feds have issued a FONSI, a finding of no significant impact for uh, its 30 crossing project. This is nuts. The, they, they, approved no, they approved an environmental assessment of a project that's not going to be built. They approved a project that if it was built as designed would cost $1.1 billion and they've only got a half billion to spend. It's not going to happen. And I'm told the law doesn't allow building projects like this in phases anyway. Uh, it's nuts that they didn't do an environmental impact statement. I think you can take it to the bank that there will be a lawsuit protesting not doing an environmental impact statement, proposing a project, approving a project on a design that can't be built because the money isn't sufficient. Uh, I mean, this is uh, we're we're not ready to start building that road yet. Thank goodness. Finally, Mike Anderson has been fired as the Arkansas Razorbacks basketball coach. And you know that it was just like a no-brainer, really. I mean, he's a nice guy and apparently ran a clean program, but you know, he just didn't win enough to justify two and a half million dollars a year. The interesting thing to me is is how fickle Razorback fans normally are that how strong the support was for keeping him around for giving him one more year yeah I don't know I was I mean there were plenty who didn't but I but I was surprised at how strong that was he's just a likable guy and it's too bad and they just didn't get it done this year and didn't show much likelihood that they would so he's gone well, we are not the program that we 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 once were so it'll be interesting to see who but we also but man it's like that was a generation and a half ago. When did when did when did Nolan leave? Oh, ninety. I mean, we've been through two thousand. We've been through a lot of coaches since then. Okay, well, let's leave it there and move on to endorsements. What do you have? Well, I, 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 it's it's old, and you're going to have to have Comcast on demand to see it. Although maybe one of the streaming services is selling it too, but. The, I just continue to be enthralled by Theranos and Elizabeth Holmes and the blood blood drop machine scandal. Oh, yeah. That's streaming on HBO. They, well, yeah, it's a, yeah. I guess HBO streams. Yeah, you don't have to be Comcast to get HBO. And their their documentary on it was great. Actually, ABC Twenty Twenty did a two hour special on it too. I forget the name of it. It's also available online. And. It doesn't tell you a whole lot more that you didn't know if you read the book by the Wall Street Journal reporter about it, but seeing her in this weird voice that she apparently invented for herself and her kind of unblinking, wide-eyed look and and seeing this machine full of bloody parts that clearly didn't work. I mean, it, and some of the things that are – it's just, you know, how people got gold out of a billion dollars, including the Waltons. I mean, it's – by this woman with this, like there was a one woman at Stanford, a faculty member who said, you know, 
I mean, there are a lot of good ideas. Flying cars are great ideas, but that doesn't mean you can do them, you know. <laughs> and, and that was kind of the thing with this blood machine. God, it was such a scam. She, I mean, she really needs to do some hard time, is, is my humble opinion. But. Did you read the book? Did yeah, you, yeah. I, I, I remember to, you endorsing yeah, it. Yeah, last summer I, I, I listened to it on tape driving through the Dakotas, and I was one of those things where I didn't want to stop because I wanted to keep listening to the book. Yeah, I've heard good things. I was thinking about reading the book before watching the but, movie. But the inventor, the documentary, is it's good because you see these players. And that if you've read the book, it's particularly good because you've read about her boyfriend, Sonny, this Indian millionaire that became sort of a Svengali figure. And, I mean, seeing him in person really makes the book even come more alive. All right. Uh, well, I'm going to do a little log rolling and encourage everyone to pick up the new Arkansas Times on newsstands now and online uh, I didn't, I didn't quite realize this when we were putting it together, but it's a really wide range of things covered. Uh, we've got uh, the the cover stories by Jacqueline Froelich, longtime Arkansas reporter, KUAF in Fayetteville, on the Purple People, a, a cult uh, from Marion County, and and some uh, some folks who escaped from that after years of abuse. Uh, we've got our annual Academic All-Stars. This is the 25th anniversary. 25 years. How about that? And as always, there are just kids that will make you feel like you've wasted your life and, uh, you know, <laughs> aren't getting it done. Just incredibly brilliant kids doing all sorts of different things, um, including a, a woman from Jonesboro who leads the local I forget what it's called, Students Demand Action or something like that. It's the Junior Moms Demand Action group. Good for her. Who uh, is, is really making a difference. Um, we've got Leslie Peacock just has a fantastic story on uh, touring the Bold Team Cultivation Facility in Cotton Plant. Oh, yeah, we got pictures of pot. In, in Woodruff, Woodruff County. And, and she really goes through the process in a way that I have not seen elsewhere, and I just found it super fascinating. Uh, we, Micah Fields, an Oxford American um, uh, writer, stayed up all night at Hertz Donuts and writes about what he sees. Uh, John Kirk uh, from from University of Arkansas Little Rock, a longtime contributor, writes about Sweet Willie Wands' Walk Against Fear in That's 1969. That's a great story. Great story. So, yeah, check it out. Some good stuff in there. Let us know what you think. And subscribe to the podcast. Uh, It's available on all your favorite places to get podcasts. We'll be back next week. See you around.